Today is August 31st. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. What's up? What's good? Can y'all believe that we have made it to the end of yet another month? We are about to start the ninth month of the year. September is the ninth month, right? Yes. Yes, it is. I'm so excited about that. And I am also excited for today's episode because we finally get to hear God speak. What we are about to witness today is one of the most dramatic, awe-inspiring, and quite frankly, terrifying scenes in the whole Bible where God breaks his silence and answers Job's complaints and questions directly to his face. We are getting ready to hear from Yahweh himself and ooh, I cannot wait. And why I'm so excited about God telling Job off, I cannot explain, but I am here for it. Maybe it's because Job and all his friends have been arguing for chapters on end and we finally get to see how it all plays out. Maybe because I know that when God speaks, it's not just words, it's logos, it's power. And because as we inch closer to the New Testament, when it comes to the audible voice of God, this is one of the last times we'll hear it. Or it could be because I'm being a messy saint and I just love a good clap back. Either way, I'm ready. I got my tea ready. I got my popcorn ready. Y'all ain't nobody ever read nobody the way God is about to read Job. Get your pens ready and take notes because we're about to have front row seats in the master's class on how to gather someone. Yes, the master's class, not a master class, not the stuff that people be doing online with their courses and stuff. No, this is the master's class on how to gather someone. And it's about to be legendary. Actually, okay, wait a minute. I take that back. Let me get out my flesh. I am sure that that is not what God wants us to get out of this. On the contrary, what we're about to witness today is a powerful reminder that when God steps in and divinely drags somebody, it's not at all about the drama. And while his sarcasm, yes, God is also sarcastic today, which I also love, is going to sound a lot like shade. This also isn't that. What we're going to hear is deep perception shattering poetry that is not just God putting Job in his place. Nah, God is checking and challenging all of us to grow up and it's about to hit different. So as we get ready to enter into the presence of God, let's just ground ourselves. Let's get centered with humility, curiosity, and reverence. We're not here for the spectacle because God is not here for performance. Now that is not to say that we can't relish in the splendor of this moment. As a matter of fact, we should. Let's soak it all in. Just get ready to be blown away, enriched and enlightened because this right here, this is more than just a story. This is life-changing truth. Let's get into it. Oh, and I switched to the NLT today just for this one day because the NET was not giving what I needed it to give. I needed plain spoken prose with clarity and style. I actually started to use the message, but I didn't want Eugene Peterson's paraphrase either. The NLT won, but we are going back to the NET tomorrow, I think. All right, y'all, this is about to be so good. Now, Elihu speaks first. We're dropping back in on him in chapter 37, and then we get to God's theophany in chapter 38. Let's get into it now. Job chapters 37 through 39. New Living Translation. 
My heart pounds as I think of this. It trembles within me. Listen carefully to the thunder of God's voice as it rolls from his mouth. It rolls across the heavens and his lightning flashes in every direction. Then comes the roaring of the thunder, the tremendous voice of his majesty. He does not restrain it when he speaks. God's voice is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. He directs the snow to fall on the earth and tells the rain to pour down. Then everyone stops working so they can watch his power. The wild animals take cover and stay inside their dens. The stormy wind comes from its chamber and the driving winds bring the cold. God's breath sends the ice freezing wide expanses of water. He loads the clouds with moisture and they flash with his lightning. The clouds churn about at his direction. They do whatever he commands throughout the earth. He makes these things happen either to punish people or to show his unfailing love. Pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonderful miracles of God. Do you know how God controls the storm and causes the lightning to flash from his clouds? Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. Can you do that? So teach the rest of us what to say to God. We are too ignorant to make our own arguments. Should God be notified that I want to speak? Can people even speak when they are confused? We cannot look at the sun, for it shines brightly in the sky when the wind clears away the clouds. So also golden splendor comes from the mountain of God. He is clothed in dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, but even though he is just and righteous, he does not destroy us. No wonder people everywhere fear him. All who are wise show him reverence. The Lord Challenges Job then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb, as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? 
But of course, you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hell? I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of the Pleiades or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened into clods? Can you stop prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? The Lord's challenge continues. Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of the time of their delivery? They crouch down to give birth to their young and deliver their offspring. Their young grow up in the open fields, then leave home and never return. Who gives the wild donkey its freedom? Who untied its ropes? I have placed it in the wilderness. Its home is the wasteland. It hates the noise of the city and has no driver to shout at it. The mountains are its pasture land where it searches for every blade of grass. Will the wild ox consent to being tamed? Will it spend the night in your stall? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Will it plow a field for you? Given its strength, can you trust it? Can you leave and trust the ox to do your work? Can you rely on it to bring home your grain and deliver it to your threshing floor? The ostrich flaps her wings grandly, but they are no match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warmed in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. She is harsh toward her young, as if they were not her own. She doesn't care if they die, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He has given her no understanding. But whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the swiftest horse with its rider. Have you given the horse its strength or clothed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The arrows rattle against it and the spear and javelin flash. It paws the ground fiercely and rushes forward into battle when the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. 
It quivers at the captain's command and the noise of battle. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making its home on a distant rocky crag. From there, it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. It's young, gulped down blood. Where there's a carcass, there you'll find it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through chapter 5, verse 10. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. New Bodies For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Psalm 44 verses 9 through 26. But now you have tossed us aside in dishonor. You no longer lead our armies to battle. You make us retreat from our enemies and allow those who hate us to plunder our land. You have butchered us like sheep and scattered us among the nations. You sold your precious people for a pittance, making nothing on the sale. You let our neighbors mock us. We are an object of scorn and derision to those around us. You have made us the butt of their jokes. They shake their head at us in scorn. We can't escape the constant humiliation. Shame is written across our faces. All we hear are the taunts of our mockers. All we see are our vengeful enemies. 
All this has happened, though we have not forgotten you. We have not violated your covenant. Our hearts have not deserted you. We have not strayed from your path, yet you have crushed us in the jackal's desert home. You have covered us with darkness and death. If we have forgotten the name of our God or spread our hands in prayer to foreign gods, God would surely have known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. But for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Wake up, O oh Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Help us. Ransom us because of your unfailing love. Proverbs 22 verse 13. The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. Wow, all of these passages were so good today. Each one so rich and replete with meaning. I mean, Paul was preaching today too, wasn't he? And then the psalmist just going in asking God, where are you? Rise up, help us. Are you looking the other way? And I felt that that resonated with me because sometimes it does feel like God is looking the other way. And clearly God has a lot that he is looking at, a lot that he is focused on as we read today in Job. I bet Job could feel what the psalmist was saying too, right? But I I don't have time to get into each one of those passages and do them justice. So I'm just going to go back to Job and tell you guys what I see. What did I tell y'all though? First of all, didn't I say it was going to be epic? Let's just, let's just run this back. So I am going to skip Elihu's speech and go straight to God because I think we've all heard all that we need to hear from Elihu. Now, God shows up right out the gate with a question. I mean, talk about an entrance. God's response to Job's questioning and complaining isn't just a casual, hey, Job, I heard you had some questions for me. Let's, let's talk. Let's, let's chit-chat for a minute. No. From the get-go, Job is getting his tail handed to him. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Can you imagine being Job in that moment when God asks that question? Honestly, I would have just fainted right then and there like, God, I'm just, I'm done. Just take me on up to heaven with you. Please, I, I can't take whatever it is that you're about to say to me. But Job doesn't do that. He stands there receiving hit after wise, well-placed hit of reality. Now, even if it may seem like Job is getting the holy version of a roast, let's remember that this is God educating not just Job, but all of us. He was teaching him. He was instructing him. He was enlightening him. Job had questions and now God has answers. Ooh, and what answers they are. Now, instead of giving Job the comfort that he may have been seeking in that moment, God comes in with a fiery response that puts Job's humanity and his divinity in sharp contrast. God tells Job to brace himself like a man. Now, you know, if God tells you to brace yourself like a man, he is about to go in. Now, God has some questions for him and Job better answer. 
Oh, how the tables have turned because Job has been questioning God and demanding answers from him all this time. Now, God and put Job in the hot seat to test his knowledge and wisdom. And Job is about to see just how little he knows and how much he needs to learn. And then God is so cold. He starts with the most basic and fundamental question. Where were you, Job, when I laid the earth's foundation? My drop. This is a rhetorical question, of course, because Job was not there. He didn't witness the beginning of the world when God created everything out of nothing. He didn't see how God measured and shaped the earth, how he set its foundations and its boundaries, how he laid its cornerstone. He didn't hear the joyful songs of the morning stars and the angels shouting and praising God for his wonderful work. But Here's the thing, even if it wasn't rhetorical, God was not giving him a chance to answer anyway. God was on a roll with a barrage of question after question after question. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Bloop. (laughs) But here's the kicker. God isn't bragging. He is not showing off. This is not some kind of cosmic flex. He's not even angry. He is rebuking Job the way a loving father would get in his son's face to remind him who the daddy is. But what he's doing is inviting Job and us, don't miss this, into a perspective shift. And that's something that really hits me hard because God isn't out to crush Job's spirit, even though Job has kind of been going off too. He's out to awaken it. These questions that God is asking Job are meant to show Job how small and insignificant he is compared to God, who is the creator and sustainer of all things. They're meant to show him that he can barely grasp the enormity of God's power and wisdom, let alone question it. Job has no right to question or challenge God, who is the source and the end of all things. Job has no basis to judge or criticize. God, who is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Oh, get me together, God. And I mean, if you're going to question me, you better be ready for my answers, child. That's what God is saying. I am the creator. I made you. You are the created. How are you going to question me? And y'all, as I am soaking this in, I can't help but think about how this applies to us. How often do we question, doubt, or even challenge God's ways? How often do we want to know why he He's doing this or that to us while forgetting the sheer magnitude of his design. God's response to Job is not a mere history lesson. It's a way to see ourselves and our situations in light of a much larger divine narrative. The book of Job should really challenge our assumptions and expectations about God and his ways. And at the same time, we should feel inspired by God's greatness and his glory. I don't know if there's another passage of scripture that puts it on display like this. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't to say that we should silence ourselves or silence our questions, but 
maybe we can redefine the way we ask them. Or maybe we can make sure that we're always asking from a place of humble curiosity rather than demanding answers from a position of entitlement. We can seek to understand and know God better instead of trying to fit him into our limited human understanding because we can embrace the awe of the unknown rather than fear or reject it. We can also acknowledge that we have limits to our comprehension. It's not always gonna make sense. And it's gonna take some growing up spiritually and us recognizing that God doesn't owe us answers to our questions. He doesn't owe us, he just is the answer. He is the mystery that keeps us seeking. He's the wonder that keeps us amazed. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes need the reminder of my smallness in the grand scheme of things. It's humbling. It's grounding. And honestly, it's, it's a relief. I don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have it all figured out. But we can rest in the arms of the one who does. And so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you in humble awe of your immeasurable wisdom and power. Lord, please forgive us for those times when we've questioned, doubted, or even challenged you and your plans and purpose for our lives. Help us to shift our perspectives. Give us a different posture to approach you with humility and a heart that is eager to learn rather than one that is demanding answers. Lord, we are so grateful for the wisdom that you continue to share with us through your word and through your words to Job. Today's scriptures reveal your grandeur and reminds us at the same time of our limitations. Yet we know that even with our limitations, you love us deeply and you walk with us through life's challenges. Lord, strengthen us to trust in your ways, though we may not know or understand your methods or your why. Give us courage to seek you and to rest in the fact that you do know all things. You are omniscient and you have our best interests at heart and in mind whenever you allow us to experience difficulties and adversity. Lord, help us to be open to being changed and transformed by your truth and the trials that we go through. Lastly, dear Heavenly Father, we just ask that you guide us in our spiritual growth, that the knowledge of your greatness would continue to just draw us closer to you. You are amazing, God. We love you. We exalt you. We extol you. We lift you up. We bless your name, Lord. We just praise you for who you are. Lord, there are no words. There are no words to express the depths of all that we feel when we just stand in, in reverence to you. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to get to know you better. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today 
All I need to remember is my why, because my why is enough to refuel my supply of confidence, persistence, and resilience. All I need to remember is my why, because my why is enough to refuel my supply of confidence, persistence, and resilience. And our aphorism, when you know your why, you can endure anyhow. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this epic adventure with me. I certainly hope you got something out of this today. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.